I had asked uh, Andrew to lead that song. Um, half of these icons look alike on these uh, iPads. I'm in the right spot, I believe. So, um, Evan had talked bad about these alt two sermons last week. So here we go. Um, and I think the context which was meant when Evan was talking bad about these alt two sermons is that people see uh, ought to uh, in a different way than the scriptures use it. And one of the things that we discussed in the class uh, in here a little while back when we were going over how to make a lesson, we talked about uh, lessons based on words and phrases and how that, um, you know, the use of those terms oftentimes, um, the way we use them in our daily lives and the way they're used around us are have a tendency to mislead us in the biblical definition. So we're going to talk about what the Bible says really about this phrase. You know, we're going to talk a little bit, start out a little bit about what the world around us says about this phrase. But there's a few um, frames of reference as we go into this that I want you to be thinking about. Um, so we've got some young men here that are getting close to driving age or so we got some that are past it, right? And so these guys are kind of aware of the possibility of a vehicle, something to drive. So grandma or grandpa or mom and dad say something about, you ought to have these pine cones and sticks picked up, you know, uh, what goes into the mind of that person sometimes? Uh, it's There's this idea of maybe a reward associated with this work, right? Right? Maybe I'm going to get $10. Maybe I'm going to get $100. Maybe if I keep it up and do it with a smile on my face, I'm going to get a car or something. But right? We think in terms, and it's there's nothing wrong with this idea of motive, Right? I see Colson smile, right? We know there's not anything wrong. Does the Bible itself give us motives that we should and tells us, encourages us to follow those things, right? That's right. Um, we've been given a promise of eternal life, and we're told to be motivated by that and to and to work towards that. We're told that, uh, but thinking. Uh, some of us are old enough to think about these kind of things in a little bit different way. Ultimately, what what do you want? You say to somebody, um, you ought to do this or you ought to do this uh, as a as a or that as a as a child, you know, as a as one of your kids. Um, and um, what do you really hope motivates them? They, they love you, and they, you've done so much for me. I just want to respond in gratitude, in, this great, in, in duty and gratitude to you. Do you want that? I see a smile here. You'll want that. 
And you hope that that develops in that person, right? Right. Yeah, see the head's nodding. That you want that. But, you know, does the Bible talk about both of those things with regard to us and our relationship with Him? Yes, it does. And, you know, one is a more mature response, is it not? One is a more mature response. But what does the Lord want? He wants you to do what you ought to do. What you, you know, right? He wants you to do what you ought to do. And for either reason. But does He want you to make that right choice? He wants you to make that right choice based on the right reasons. And there's a little bit of difference in what those right reasons can be based on your maturity, right? But ultimately, we want to talk about what this ought to basically means. So um, I'll be quoting some ought to phrases, and we'll just, I'll just be asking questions about them and uh, making some points about um, maybe what some of these things are talking about. So... Um, here in 1 Thessalonians 4.1, we'll start. Finally then, brethren, we request, request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instructions as how, as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel, excel still more. So this is kind of an introduction to that uh, phrase. Um, from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God. So why study a word or phrase? We kind of talked about that because sometimes the language and culture that we live in impact or, or even inform our thoughts and decisions, right? So the way we use those things, they impact and they, they inform our thoughts and decisions. And so we need to be careful that we understand, that we don't get caught up in those things. And these are some of the ones, and some of the guys did some of these, picked some of these terms, because I told them, hey, these are some you're going to learn something about if you start looking at the way we use these things in our language today, the way they're used in our culture today, and actually how the Bible uses them. Wildly different in a lot of cases. Wildly different. And really important words like gratitude, fellowship, and love, and there's many more. So that's why we would look at words or phrases, because they do impact us. And I want to make a quick look kind of at this cultural use definition um, used to indicate duty or correctness. Typically, when criticizing someone's actions, they ought to respect the law would be something. Used to indicate something that's probable. Um, five minutes ought to be enough time. You know, I'm just, these are some ways we use these things. Nothing wrong with how we use them. We understand those things when we use them. It's a way of communicating. Uh, Webster says to express obligation, advisability, natural expectation, or logical consequence. You know, when we were talking about, you know, coasting into pine cones in the car, uh, is it logical for Colston to think about $10 of pine, straw, pine cones and sticks being a $10,000 car? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, we're seeing. I, he's smiling. He's, he, well, he knows. All right. 
natural expectation, advisability. What about obligation? You know, we go to this idea of debt. You know, what's mom and dad and grandma and grandpa doing for me? Do, and do I have, are there any duties there? Do I have any obligations? What's the Bible say about honoring your parents? And what does that really mean? What does that mean? Um, it's used to indicate uh, something that one could reasonably expect. Um, should somebody be able to expect some pine cones and some sticks getting picked up based on a relationship that exists? I mean, these aren't horrible definitions. This, you know, we're just going through some of the stuff. I came through several charts that were basically language charts. You know, you, teachers probably using these. <laughs> I, I think maybe these might even been something from a foreign language deal, somebody teaching English as a second language kind of a deal. These are how these phrases are used, y'all, in our language. And you can kind of see, you know, this should and ought to kind of broken down, some, some obligation maybe, 50-50, advice, uh, logical conclusions. You know, the, look at the far right. I should or ought to see a doctor. I have a, he- a terrible headache. You should or ought to revise your lessons. He should or ought to be very tired after such enormous work. You know, pine cones and sticks. So, advisability, you know, that's that's kind of a lot of what we see in the way our lang- in the way we use it in our language day to day. And and it, it it this one even talked about ought to and had better and how you know the, these get stronger as you go through them. Should ought to and had better is kind of the advancement of it. You know, uh, statement of you know we're talking about a statement of responsibility or duty. <clears throat> it's very important. Um, and and you know you see it's the top. It's talking about giving advice. You know, that this is advice. Should, ought to, had better. Should go to the doctor, ought to go to the doctor. Uh, had better go to the doctor. And you can kind of think, well, should. Maybe you need a checkup. Ought to, you look kind of sick. Had better, I think of you might need to help you to the car. You know, it just, you know, you, you can kind of see how that's moving along. Um, and it works in a negative sense, too, you know. And this was another chart that kind of dealt with it. And it's, you know, here again, dealing with the doctor. And, um, you know, I think you ought to rest or you you ought to go or you should rest. Or, you know, this is uh, talking in current and past tense and even this idea of future tense over there. Should I buy the phone now or should I wait for the next model to come out? You know. And this is, this is primarily how we use these things. And I want, to, I want us to go back and think about these ideas and how they relate to this ought to statement in scriptures. So this idea of free will or choice. And I really, really want us to think about where does that come from? This will kind of help explain some of the chaos that you see in the world today. If you'll think this stuff through, right? Think this stuff through. You want to know why folks act so crazy? Well, where do you think? Do you think it matters where free will or choice comes from? 
if, boy, we just got it and it just comes because I was born or whatever, you know, that'll, that'll cause one set of decisions, right? But what about free choice comes from God? What about authority? Where does it come from? How would it affect my decisions? Um, so think about this idea of who's given that advice. If indeed it's advice. You know, I think we talked about last week this idea that, you know, a lot of people may want to look at, you know, Proverbs wasn't the law. He never meant for that to be the law. That's just advice from God. And, of course, one of the things that I would always say is, what advice from God can you ignore and still honor God? Well, I'd say the same thing about you and your parents or any, any relationship that you really, really value. You know, if you really value that, how does that look when you ignore that advice that's coming from that figure? Um, you know, I always think about, so when I was a, a kid, uh, we went to First Baptist in Montgomery, and uh, my dad thought I needed to be in the choir, and I thought I needed to be fishing. Well, I was in the choir. It came up time for some choir trip we was going to go on. He said, well, it's all up to you. I instantly knew the answer. I can make money and fish for a week while all of these guys go around the country and sing. Well, guess what? Uh, he corrected that thinking process to line up the way he wanted it, but... I, I I remember that, you know, okay, well, free will really ain't free will just yet. <laughs> I'm not making this choice. Uh, so where does it come from? Does it matter where these things come from? And it does. Um, but also look at these different terms. Obligation, advice, promises, gratitude, relationship. Where do they come from? And who's in them? And how do these things work in this subject that we're talking about, this idea of, of your ought to? And so I'm going to kind of do a couple of examples to maybe help us get it going. Does it matter how you think about ought to? So the shoe salesman says, you ought to buy a really nice pair of shoes. <laughs> Well, of course, he's a shoe salesman. Car salesman thinks you need a new car. Shoe salesman thinks you need new shoes. But how do you view that? Shoe salesman says you need new shoes. Okay. Because does the shoe salesman really care if you've got great shoes or does he want to sell some shoes? Is he thinking about you? Does he love you? What's, what's, what's this advice? What's the relationship? Does my relationship with the shoe salesman his authority over me, his love and care for me. Do I have an obligation to this guy? What's he done for me? What he wants to do is sell me some shoes, right? So does it matter? Your new boss says, ooh, looks down at your shoes, says, you need a really nice pair of shoes. Okay. 
Well, does, does anybody recognize that has, that has a little more strength than the shoe salesman saying it? Absolutely, right? We understand that. We know that. And so you can see how that uh, relationship matters, obligation matters. Um, stranger says, you ought to address me in this manner. Your spouse says, you ought to address me in this manner. God says, you ought to address me in this manner. So you think about all of those things we were just talking about, you know, with regard to obligation. Where does free choice come from? Um, Is there a moral standard? Where does that moral standard come from? And is that moral standard advice or is it obligation or is it, you know, why do we see this chaos in the world? I mean... Think about uh, how much easier it is to live and make decisions with regard to how. what am I going to do in this case when you consider God a source of authority, your creator is telling you what to do in this circumstance, and you go ahead and make that decision based on his advice, right? How much more confident can you be that you've just made the right decision than somebody who doesn't believe any of that stuff? How different will your life be based on what's in here with regard to how this works? How does free choice work? Where does it come from? How does authority work? Where does it come from? So think about this. What matters the most? The content now, my kids picked up sticks and pine cones, right? I'd say something like, uh, I'm going to be back here at 5 o'clock, and those sticks and pine cones ought not be in the yard when I get back. Uh, so the content, sticks and pine cones. Now, do you think that that was really about sticks and pine cones and how much I hate sticks and pine cones to be in my yard? Because right now the zero turn just chews them up. I ain't got any kids to pick them up. I ain't got a lesson to teach, right? So zero turn runs over two or three times and they're gone. I don't care. That's what we do now. I'm not te- I ain't got any lessons to teach about this subject, uh, about ought to and what it means. And I'm not teaching anybody about authority necessarily. You understand? It's different. It was never about the content. Didn't have anything to do with it. You know, I can say that now to with them sitting here and, and not worry about it because it was never really about sticks and pine cones. I didn't hate sticks and pine cones. Uh, it was a lesson. There was something being learned, right? Whether or not the advice falls into cultural norms, Does everybody's yard not have sticks and pine cones? Is that what really matters? Everybody else's yard doesn't have sticks and pine cones. Is it politically correct? Is the advice culturally acceptable? Is that what matters most? The value, and I should have highlighted that in a bolder underline, but the value you place on the relationship, is that the most important thing? It is important, isn't it? Because it's going to go back to the choice you make. Right? 
The benefits or results of compliance. This goes back to the, you know, the potential reward for compliance or whatever, or the potential punishment. Like if you talk to my kids, what happens if Mark gets back at 5 o'clock and the sticks and pine cones are still in the yard? Yeah, we all kind of, we know what that is, right? Uh, so is that, though, really the number one most important thing? The authority of the source. We're getting down to some, you start thinking about it, right? The authority of the source. I need to put something else on there. What about um, the importance of the relationship um, with regard to the source of authority? I mean, I don't know that I'm articulating that correctly. Like, so the one that's giving the advice, you know, is it the content? Like, think about it in terms of what what's required of us to become Christians, baptism. What does God really gain from that? It's kind of like me and the pine cones and sticks. I ain't gaining a whole lot. I'm, I'm teaching, we're teaching, you know, we're teaching something about working and obligation. We're doing something else. Um, you know, when you think about how we view these things and we start looking at um, what they say, what's being said, and how we're going to make these decisions, um, what are the things that um, we're striving to get to? I mean, this idea of maturity um, is going to get us straight on down to the bottom of this list and maybe past the subject at the bottom of that list. So what does ought to depend on? Purpose, objectives, or goals? The giver or the receiver of the ought to? You know, the person that's getting the advice or the person that's giving the advice. Is that what the ought to depends on? Definitions of good and bad and who makes the definitions? So think about who, who's going to define... You know, you're getting advice on this is a good choice, that's the bad choice. Well, who defines those things? And there again, think about the chaos that we see in the world today. The Bible tells us that it's not in man to direct his own steps. You're not going to do it well by yourself. That's what the Bible tells us. But if you don't believe that... Uh, there's a creator, if you don't believe that the creator has authority over you and you don't believe that God loves you and has your best interest in mind, like, you know, do I have that kid's best interest in mind when I'm talking about picking up pine cones and sticks? Or is it about me? Who is it that's supposedly receiving the most benefit here? Well, when you're 12 or whatever... You think it's the other guy, right? But as you grow up, you begin to figure out, well, you know, this was about me kind of learning this subject to some degree. Promises, obligations, debt, will. You know, I had Andrew sing that song, 
uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Well, is that how we live our lives? Uh, what you hear a lot from a lot of the religious world around us is that Jesus paid it all, I can do what I want. That's, you know, I'm free from any obligation. If you look at the old definition, the old, old Webster's definition from 18, whatever it was, you know, this idea of gratitude, there was a part of that definition back then that said, use the term proper sense of duty. Proper sense of duty. In other words, there's an obligation that goes with this gift. A debt. A duty. Now, can... So 60 years ago, I didn't exist, and 60 years from now, I'll be dust. Folks, you know, wiping me off of the the fan blades. Nothing. Nothing. Without God, nothing. Right? That's that's me. Without God, nothing. Dust. Um, so, is there anything that I can do for him that's going to up his standing or, or where I'm somehow able to pay that debt back in full, I'm paying it back. No. So there's not this idea of I'm paying this debt or I have this obligation and therefore I'm going to earn my salvation. That's crazy talk. There's nothing you got that he needs. I don't need those pine cones and sticks taken up, really. Didn't ever need them. Never needed them picked up. Who needed to do that? Who had the greatest need in that? Um, so let me let me put it like this. When the person who's received the advice, you ought to pick up those sticks and pine cones, goes and does those things with a good attitude, right? How do they feel about that relationship? When, they've, when they're meeting those obligations, when they're thinking about those things, well, wow, this person has done all this for me, this is the least I can do, uh, how do they feel about that relationship? I don't want you all to raise your hands, but I will, I'll ask this. Has anybody, don't, don't raise your hand, has anybody ever, you know, been pitched this question, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? Has there any ever been a time where you went to yourself, man, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say yes to me. I'm going to say the answer for me is yes. So why is that? Is it because I ever felt like he couldn't do what he promised me? Or is it because I had not approached this correctly? How would I feel had I been doing the things I ought to do? Would I not feel like Paul? Did Paul was Paul confident if, when if Paul was asked that question? How would he answer it? I got a crown waiting on me. And why? Why is that Paul's attitude and not my attitude all the time? Why can't I answer that right? If you've ever 
been in a relationship and you've honored it in the way that you know you should, with the heart and the attitude that you know you should, with the action, with the diligence, with the persistence that you know you should, that you ought to, right? What's your answer then? How do you feel in that relationship? How confident are you? What happens? It's pretty amazing. And when you think about it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if all the pine cones and sticks are picked up, I said, well, look, I'm going to be there early. Y'all get these pine cones and sticks picked up. It'll still be a lot of daylight left. We're going to run down here and go fishing, and we're going to go do. We're going to eat your favorite food or whatever. Are you anticipating my arrival when you've done those things? Especially when you've done those things happily, right? Are you? Whew, I can't wait. I hope he's home early because I'm done. I got it done. You're excited. So how often as a Christian are you excited to think about the return of Jesus? Can't wait. Ready to go. Want to meet him. And if the answer is ever, uh, I don't know, it's going to be this. Let's look at this vine's. It is necessary. One must. Now we're in Bible definitions. To owe is bound. Of necessity as to what is required that something may be brought about. Anything come to mind when you read that statement? Other translated words. Must behoove. Oh, should, need, bound, debt, do, duty. Man, some of those words are bad words around, you know, in the world around us today. How do we see these words used in scriptures? Now, therefore, do not let him go unpunished. This is, what is it, Shimei? What was that guy's name? that was mocking David. Shimei, Shimei. Yeah, something like that. The guy that was mocking David. So David makes this promise, well, I'm not going to kill you, but here's David. Oh, well, let's give you some context. 1 Kings 2.9, this is this verse. 1 Kings 2.10 is David's dead. So I didn't look everywhere else to see if this was the actual last instructions of David to Solomon. But, you know, it's the last thing in the second, in the, 1 Kings 2 reference of the end of David. Now therefore do not let him go unpunished for you are a wise man and you will know what to do you ought what you ought to do to him and you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood. The content justice the relationship father to son king to successor Is this a suggestion is David's expectation that Solomon's really expected here to be obedient or just to exercise his own judgment? What do y'all think? He used the term 
ought to, you know, what you know, you'll know what you ought to do. This is an interesting case. I'm, I'm not going to read it all because time, I don't let it get long. But you'll you'll recognize it. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. Y'all know the story. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with inheritance. We just went over this. Had the master given specific instructions to the servants before leaving, or did the opportunity, the gift, imply a necessary response? We talked about it. Well, we decide that the gift implied a necessary response. Can't you hear this guy saying, after the judgment concerning him had been made, how unfair. He didn't tell me what I was supposed to do, and now I'm being punished. No specific instructions. He just left the guy. He just left the guy the money. Got back. Guy handed him his money back, and he was in trouble. Because you know what? He knew what he ought to do. He knew what he ought to do, and he did it. I'm going to tell you, it is a wonderful day in your life as a parent when you've left no instructions, and you get home at 5 o'clock. No instructions. You get home at 5 o'clock or whenever you get home, and the stuff that you thought should have been done is done. Wonderful moment. If it ever happens, it's a wonderful moment. It's beautiful. What does that tell you about your relationship? We're making progress. He's maturing. I am so thrilled right now. Right? So, you know, how different are we today? Um, What do the weightier matters of the law require? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. How about justice, judgment, and discernment? We're talking about spiritual maturity here to a great degree, right? Uh, I know I've heard Evan do some great lessons on this idea of discernment, judgment. you got to make them. Uh, And that's part of this whole subject that we're talking about. So I got the statement up, oh, so you're leaving it up to me. (laughs) Well, remember me talking about me and my dad in the choir trip? Oh, so you're leaving it up to me. (laughs) I can make my mind up. I'm going to do what I want to do, right? Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Oh, so you're leaving it up to me. You think that's the way the apostles thought about that? Or do you think when the Holy Spirit told them what to say that that is what they said? I mean, how do you think the apostles looked at the ought to? Luke 17.10 So you too, when you... Do all the things which are commanded. You say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Like I say, in the interest of time, I'm not going to keep, I'm going to go back and read the whole context of this, but um, 
this idea that we've got a service to do, and if we do it, uh, we're the greatest thing ever. I am awesome. Awesome. Because I picked up those sticks and pine cones today. I am special. I got it done. I'm wonderful. Um, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say what you need to say, your attitude. We're unworthy slaves. We've only done that which we ought to have done. You're in, in the context of this, guys, is that you are receiving this fabulous, wonderful gift that you could never afford. You could never pay back the debt that's been paid. And that, that's your attitude. If you're a parent, you've seen, you've seen the kids show up with the chest blowed out. <laughs> I got it done. You know? And uh, so what's in question here, this idea of entitlement? I've done it, so you owe me the gift, or you owe me the car, or you owe me the whatever. No, no, not really. When I have met my obligation, when the work is done, when is my work in the kingdom done? When are you through? How about never? We know never is the answer. What's my problem here? When do I get to exercise the supposed free will I've been given? Understand that the context in which we think about these things is very important. You know, when we're talking about the subject of authority, I often like to say, well, people will tell, you know, I always get to this point when we're teaching it, well, the Bible doesn't tell me not to, or it doesn't say not to, or, you know, that's, an, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's in here. It, that's reflective of an attitude. You know, so what's wrong with it is the question that I get. So what's wrong with it? Well, you tell me what's right with it. Based on what you've read in the scriptures, you tell me what's right about it. So when we go at this subject like this, well, when do I get to exercise the supposed free will I've been given? If that's your attitude, this is going to be really tough. The better question may be, how should I exercise, in other words, how should I or how ought I exercise the free will I've been given? How about you should exercise it by making the choice you've been advised to make, doing what it is you know God wants you to do? How about that? Like folks will ask, you know, what... What do you think about tattoos? I'm, I'm not going to get on you about tattoo, but there's one verse in the Bible that talks about it. He says to his people, don't get one. So guess what? I'm not going to get one. But I don't have some big giant lesson about tattoos. But I'm not getting one. Uh, because there's one verse in the Bible that says don't get one. So what, what do I know about God's attitude toward, toward tattoos? I know one thing, the only one thing I've been told. He didn't want his people to have them. I don't have some big explanation. I don't have some directive for me as a Christian. It's some Old Testament verse. I forget where it is even. But, you know, how ought I exercise the free will I've been given? Should it be in the context of what I always want to do? 
or should I be looking hard to figure out what it is that God wants me to do? Just like when the kids get up, dad's already gone to work. They get up and look around. They see all those sticks and pine cones. And you know, last week he told me to get sticks and pine cones. He's already gone. I reckon I ought to go get those sticks and pine cones. Figured it out all by yourself. That's wonderful. That's called maturity. Again, this John 13 reference, I'm just glad you all know your Bible's pretty good. Um, If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, and you also ought to wash one another's feet. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Talking about you know what to do, you ought to do it. So what's this message? Foot washing or humbly serving one another in love, putting each other's interest ahead of his own, sacrificial love, giving over my own preferences for yours. Is that the real lesson there in what he's shown us? How much easier would it be to go through the motions of some ceremony once a week than to live sacrificially like Jesus did every single day? Which one's easier? Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Paul is saying we ought to think a certain way. Is that what he's saying? That you should think a certain way? Isn't that what we were talking about just a minute ago? The attitude, the idea that I'm going to think what's wrong with it and that's my default? Or is my attitude, what's right with it? And that's my default. Who's trained me to do that? Me? You? Where's that come from? Where, where does it, one, one or the other thought come from? This Paul writing it, Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. It really looks like he's telling you how to think, that you ought to be thinking a certain way. And so, how would we think with regard to these ought-to statements from your parents or from your boss, or from God. How should you think about those things? Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So there it is. We got a choice. We got an option. How hard is the decision? Paul says that my own interests ought to be put back. Crazy talk. Crazy talk. The Lord just wants me to be happy. I see some laughter. All right. So husbands ought to love their husbands, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Ought. Ought also. It's optional. <laughs> she can be really nasty some days. I ain't so sure about that. 
Uh, you know, my toaster's burnt. I'm not feeling it today. It's up to me, right? <clears throat> Ephesians 6.20, For which, which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So I'm going to be told how to think. I'm going to be told how to speak. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as I actually do walk, that you excel still the more. Um... It's a request. says so right there on the second line. You ought to do it, but it's a choice. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. You know, so what, what are we going to choose? But in case I am delayed, I write, uh, so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And I want you all to look. So, you all know the concept of the carrot and the stick, and I'm not talking about sticks and pine cones. I'm talking about, you know, a whooping and a reward. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, is this the stick? Yeah, there's a carrot, and there's a stick. That's called heaven and hell. There's a carrot and a stick. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? His kind. Conclusions. Act a certain way, think a certain way, give up self, selfishness. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is that more mature, this is that most mature response. I don't mind telling y'all I was motivated by the stick when I was baptized. Motivated by the stick. And I think y'all have all observed, as Christians get older, a lot of times you can tell they're motivated by the carrot. They're getting close, getting closer. And that's that love, right? We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We have, what, duty? Wow, that's a four-letter word these days, obligation, debt, to act in a certain way, to love a certain way, sacrificially, to follow that example that's been given to us by Christ. Came across this saying, I may not be who I ought to be, I know I'm not at all that I want to be, but I've come a long way from who I used to be, and I won't give up on becoming what I know I can be, right? And 
you know, we talk about this idea quitters never win, and that's very true in the endeavor we've chosen here. The invitation here in this ought to, this idea of being a Christian, you ought to. Be a working, contributing member of the body of Christ. You ought to. Be someone who seeks forgiveness and reconciliation. You ought to. Be someone who seeks to understand what's involved in a proper response to our Creator and Savior. And again, I'd say you ought to. And if you're feeling motivated to do that, I'd ask you to come forward while we stand and sing the song. It's been selected, 267.